This is Tiahika on RNZ, our weekly show that delves into stories about Māori experience, kaupapa, people and places. Tonight, painter Kura Tewaru Rewiri talks about growing up in the far north and heading to the deep south to chase her dreams of becoming an artist. Well, she did and achieved much more. Her paintings are held in galleries around the country and overseas. She was honoured for her work and her contribution to Māori art. The late actress, director and producer Nancy Brunning was honoured at this year's Te Wakatoi Awards. On the evening, her brother accepted her taonga. Grace Hoyt was a close friend of Brunning and talks about her legacy. Plus, in the final show for the year, we're going to look back at a few stories. From the rising popularity of the Maramataka, or the Māori Lunar Calendar, to foraging with Chef Charles Royal, to a all about a Māori worldview approach to mental health. That's coming up here on RNZ. Born in Kayo, Kura Tewarurewiri has connections to Ngāti Kahu ki Whangaroa, Ngāpuhi and Ngāti Raukawa ki Kaufata. She attended school at Paihia, an idyllic town in the far north. Later, she became a student at Bay of Islands College and Northland College. One of her teachers and mentor was the artist Buck Nin. He would be a steady influence during her career. I think he recognised um, something in me and um, like he did with all the students he's a very fair person in terms of how he dealt with all of us as a teacher but he put up his canvases in in class and he painted I saw that he painted with uh, powder and PVA glue Wow! and we saw paintings growing you know don't know what's going on really and how how that's going to impact on you later. I did the uh, school qualification in the fine arts prelim and got it, but it was at the art and history that um, I excelled in. The rest I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So he, when I was ready to leave school, he said for me to go find a job, Christmas job, to get my airfare. I said, oh, what for? He said, I've enrolled you at at University of Canterbury, you're going down to Ireland. I went, who's that? <laughs> Didn't know, eh? Being brought up in, in Mangaiti and, and Waitangi, you don't know, no. What was that experience like at Ireland? In hindsight, it was an interesting environment because I was exposed to and had kayako. There were only myself, uh, Temari Gardner, she was there for the first year, and... Um, Jonathan Manifilki, those are the ones that I remember. But there were just a handful of us, say, in the whole of the university, I think we had about 30 Māori. Did you find yourself being that tight-knit group? Yeah, we all came together with setting up the Māori club. Oh, nice, the Māori club, so gatherings together yeah, and stuff. social staff, you know, keep us together, have a kai every now and then together. The numbers grew, yep. but, you know, when I first got there... I was the only uh, dark face. Mm. I mean, it was really uh, a time of uh, culture shock. Yeah. You know, and uh, and we had a lot of um, 
uh, what do you call them? Mates in the trade training. Oh, yes. So Tommy Uti was yes, one of them. That yes, yes. Yeah, him and I were like brother and sister. Oh, nice. No? We looked alike. We had long hair. We wore ponchos and <laughs> headbands, you know. But in, we had uh, Ngā We formed Ngā Tamatoa to a tōru down there. You so know. you're all part of that. You're politically aware. Oh, well, that was a, what, what I meant about a culture shock. Yeah. And so with that political awareness of Māori at the time versus your learning, how did that kind of shape it at all, um, your art, or was it two separate worlds for you? They were two separate worlds that tried to be brought together by... Well, look, the, the, the teachers were fabulous. I had the creme de la creme. Mm. This year, Kura was honoured for her work as a painter with an award recognising excellence and outstanding contribution to Māori arts. If you stop and you watch a weaver, there are certain movements. There's preparation, harvesting, all that sort of stuff, yes, eh? yes, collecting yes. The, the materials. And that, that's been uh, a way of working for me too. Kia ora kura te warurewiri, academic, visual artist and educator. Nō Ngāti Kahu ki Whangaroa, Ngā Puhi, Ngāti Raukawa ki Kaufata. As we wrap up our coverage of this year's Te Waka Toy Awards, actress, producer and writer Nancy Brunning, affectionately known as Nan to her many friends, was honoured for her work both on screen and on the theatre stage. Nancy died on November the 16th. Her tangi was held in Ōtaki at Raukawa Marae. Grace Hoyt, a fellow producer and actress, was a close friend and talks here about the legacy of Nancy's commitment in bringing Māori's stories to the fore. Yeah, for us to describe Nan, she was full of aroha and manaki. She would always uffy everyone, and there was always a cup of tea or something to eat at Nan's or sit down and call it all. She was just like every other person. You could just, if once you got to know her, and, and you just sit down and have a cup of tea with Nan mm. and a catch up. So, from those initial productions to Nancy Brunning's career, how would you describe her work? In stage, oh, on stage and on screen. Phenomenal. Absolute inspiration to, um, to Māori, to anyone wanting to be an actor and a performer, but also full of integrity. She was very particular in the mahi she chose and how she worked um, and was very important for her to tell Māori stories our way. But the beauty of Nan was that her heart, she loved Māori theatre and Māori storytelling. There are many roles that Nan has played that makes you go, wow. Um, magic moments in Wairo as Rongo was beautiful. Um, Harurumai, she chose well in her pieces that she chose. She thought, he whakaro Māori tuatahi. And so that was her processing. And if it worked for her in that way of thinking, then yes, albeit she would do it. But her most recent work, Witi's Wahine, yeah, the writing of that and the way she wove it together was a beautiful dance. Um, And it's it's a legacy piece. Um, The reality is 
there are so many different messages in there, mana wahine, wahine toa, um, and that they are elements of her in so many different ways, the different facets. And so Nancy had a beautiful way of capturing that. Tēnā actor and producer, Grace Hoyt. As it's the final Tiahika episode for the year, we're also featuring a few highlights. Rotorua-based chef Charles Royal is a go-to tour guide when it comes to food foraging. The bush is his pātaka kai, or natural food source. In the past few years, he's still running guided tours and his business, Kinaki Wild Herbs. Okay, so anyway, that's called Super Jack Vine, what we just stood on. Uh, Super Jack Vine, Pirita. Pirita. Or Kareao. Okay, and that's uh, Super Jack Vine. Back in the day, we used to use it for um, crayfish pots. Remember? Yep. Go round and now they use steel. Now just make a big crayfish pot out of it. Pickle pickle is a frond that can be eaten as a vegetable. Charles is very familiar with it. He collects and harvests it. He even cooks with it as part of his business. But he outlines that only a few can be consumed. There's over 312 different varieties of pickle pickle, but only seven are edible. Low percentage of 312. Wow. Exactly. Anyway. And the others are poison? Or? The others have carcinogenic properties, okay. mainly the um, the bracken and the, and the punga. The punga. Yeah, so that's another one there that, that's got um, carcinogenic properties. But in Japan, okay, they, they got the same variety as what we got here. It's called pew pew. If you have a look at, see that one there? They're all in the yum. You might not see the difference. Did you hear that bird? Yes, I did actually. Mm-hmm. I did. That was a, uh, it was a uh, kiruru. You would only hear it like when it starts, you know, flapping its flapping wings. Flapping its wings, you'll be sitting up there watching it. See, so that's the, uh, the manu that's manu. They're out there, you just want to listen <laughs> to things like that. Okay, this is also energy food for bushmen. Why? Because it's got a lot of liquid or juice in it. So when we snap it, okay. Oh, yeah, this is quite juicy yeah. at the end. Yeah, oh. see how it's coming out. Anyway, you get the soft part, you peel it, or you can eat it whole. Okay. Right. Should I be, bite it, or do you want to bite it? Here, you bite it. I'll bite it. Sorry, I just bite it. Bite the end, dear. Yeah. That's actually really good. Yeah. kind of got a slight taste of peas, fresh garden peas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's our uh, bush asparagus. Tēnā koe, Chef Charles Royal. The Maramataka, or the Māori Lunar Calendar, is a guide that connects the moon phases with signs of the environment. Now, this can become a guide, in a sense, that outlines which days are good for fishing, planting or harvesting food. But delve a bit deeper, and it also relates to the productivity of people which days are best to learn or host a wānanga, or which days are best to just simply relax. In recent years, more and more people are becoming interested in the maramataka. Tiahika went to Rotorua to learn more about it with Reriata Mākiha. Ngā matitira, those are the separation of our summer months. So that matitikura te rātewa e mawai roto te ngahere, so those little red berries in the bush, they ripen on that day, uh, at that time. 
and that uh, tohu mote matiti kura. So matiti hana is when the poor wananga or the poor ringa, the clematis flowers. The white one in up in the glade there. And Yophilus flowering actually is a month after ours up the far north. So that's why they hereke malamataka ne. So don't believe those fellows who come from Hokianga and say, hey, this is the Maramataka. Go Hakapuno. Get your own Maramatakas. Set your own Maramataka and don't listen to anyone else. Because every Maramataka is individual. Here, Reriata talks about the phases of the Maramataka, two being Hotoke and Raumati, winter and summer. Matiti Hana and Matiti Muramura are Raumati or summer phases. There are signs of this phase in the natural world, particularly seen in the Pohotukawa. We get to Matiti Hana. Matiti Muramura is an interesting time of the year. So that's when the Pohotukawa and the Rata. A flower, they turn red. So the end of the matiti hana phase, if you watch a pohutukawa, ka kite koe ka hama te kauru o te pohutukawa, it turns white, eh? And that signals the end of matiti hana. So you're heading into the third phase of summer, matiti muramura. And that's when the pohutukawa flower and the rata flower, ka muramura katoa te ngahere. So that's the wild te matiti muramura. Interesting thing around matiti muramura, uh, is that's when uh, up home there anyway, it signals the start of the, the migration of some of our ika. And so we get down to Matiti, Matiti Kaiwai, interesting one that. So that's our time of, uh, I think you fellas might know it as Kohitatea. Kohitatea to mean January, according to the Gregorian calendar. So Kiamato, for us, the January period called the Waru Ikataina Erehua. That's the matiti kaiwai. When the ground dries and opens up, got And our kupu for that time of the year, got the So rehua, when rehua rises in the face of the sun, Ohakune is the ski capital of the country, but about 10 k's up the road is Raitehi. Nestled on a small hilltop is the Ratana Temple. According to the local history, the building was used by the Methodist Church, located near the bridge in Raitehi. But as more locals turned to the Ratana faith, the church then became their parish. There are a few replica buildings that were fashioned in the likeness of the main temepara at Ratana Pa in Wanganui, which was built in 1927. Other temples were soon established at Mangamuka, Te Kao, Te Hapua, Raitehi and Ahipara. They are now in the throes of planning to renovate the iconic building. During the opening ceremony, at Whakamoe Mati or church service, hymns are sung and the koho or the sermon is given by the Apotoro, Uncle Robert. After this, it's back down into town at Raitahi for lunch, after which Christina presents an up-to-date plan for the restoration project. For the to give them some guidance so she could have something yeah. cost. And actually, just to um, sort of, when we, I, I, I was part of that discussion... And one of the things that I sort of recommended is that when you're doing this, you go... Tiafina talks about the plan moving forward 
and the importance of maintaining the relationships while undertaking the restoration project. It's an, a, quite a beautiful and quite unusual and slightly weird situation to see very obvious Pakia Auckland architects. <laughs> but this has been a two-year... Oh, well, yeah, yeah, it's almost three years now. So, oh. it, yeah, so I'd love that whole quarter about Mate Aroha. It has been about that, and it's about two cultures that have kind that have come together and have accepted each other. Uh, it's been really hard for my whanau here to accept. You know, this they've had offers from others who've come in to say, "Hey, we'll help you." And they've listened and then they've said, Carl, no. Architect Rick Pearson. Obviously this is something that you're quite, that I get that you're quite passionate about, restoration. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, if you lose them, they're, they're lost for, forever. When Te and I came here some years ago, um, I saw it and I was the person that said, this, this is sick, this is a sick building and it was quite, it, the, the Temepara is, is in a lot of architecture books, it's been written about a lot, it's on the covers of some architecture books so it's, uh, architecturally it's a very important significant iconic building for New Zealand apart from the Temepara side of them, the Ratana side, so we saw an opportunity of uh, being involved Te Afra and I uh, develop museums often a lot uh, around New Zealand and um, fundraising is a big part of it and so we sort of know that the, the marae here um, prop, uh, we thought needed help in that, that particular area. We're very sensitive about that we're not treading on anyone's uh, toes. Um, and restoration of a building, you know, it's, it's, it has a history, has a long history. So as architects we, we might look at it and say that doesn't look any good or it should be that like this, but that's not the point. It's a living building. It has to, like anything, they have to um, be used and used well and be loved by the community that they're in rather than architects coming in. And Shahika will, of course, follow up the story in 2020. Revered painter and educator Dr Sandy Adset is as passionate about Māori art as he was some 50 years ago. Today he oversees the School of Māori Visual Arts, Tō Mairangi, at Te Wānanga o Aotearoa in Hastings. She's only uh, been here a couple of years with her Ranga and only level five, but they're doing really, really well. It's more challenging now because the, you know, there's the Wānanga, Awanui Aranga, Raukawa, Itawānanga, you know, and there are other uh, iwi that have also strong arguments for having their own tertiary institution perhaps being uh, seen as a, as a positive for the future, you know, the Tapuya um, New Zealand Māori Institute, yes. you know that that type of um, an offering geared towards certain clients, tourism, whatever it is, mm. that it's still a positive outcome. Why not just you know look at something like that for other tribal areas if it's seen as something that would engage more in your own style of work. So that's what we're trying here for for Kaunga. One thing is for sure, Sandy still enjoys working with students and when he can, he still loves to paint. Oh, and because I, when I say yes, I enjoy it, of course. Yeah, of course you do. And, yeah. and so if I'm able to, um, and it's, it's not I can make the time, it's more about um, there seem to be a lot more things that 
you know, you need time for as well. So, you know, and because I'm tutoring, that's still there as a major. But, um, yeah, no, I still engage in art. Still engage with the community and any, you know, Malai DIY. I don't exhibit a lot. No. You know, because the other thing is that any artwork that I do, um, you know, the family and the whanau, I'm happy for it to be part of, of what we have as family uh, art works. We, you know, over the years we've we've done a we've kept like I've got uh, you know one of a a kōrowai that's like 175 years old. You know, so we need to keep examples of your work all the way through. That's really important. So that's why it's not necessarily out there. So it's actually never ever been about putea for you, Sandy. It was at the beginning purely because it made you feel good that someone, you know, especially one of the first ones was at the Hamilton Gallery and there was a piece that was uh, that became a UNESCO uh, 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 cover or, you know, a card. And it, it oh, was wow. the first of its one for New Zealand. You feel really good about that and the fact that they said, wow, they were prepared to, to buy it at that price, you know, it was... So those those earlier pieces sort of gave you a, a you're feeling a measure of well it's not too your artwork can't be too bad because it was being and see this is the thing you get caught up in was it because it was you know in my mind because it was recognised by mainstream institutions yes, yes. whereas at home you do all the same thing and have it in the malai you don't think of anybody <laughs> responding to it as just their part of the wall. <laughs> So it is just... Uh, oh, yeah. Unless somebody comes and says, yeah, did a, you know that? That's Sandy Anthony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but it's... Yeah. But it, as I say, it's been... I think for us as a culture, we can still identify in a really enjoyable way what our images that are so special to us as a, you know, as a culture. Tēnā Dr Sandy Adset. In this next highlight of 2019, we head to Te Tairawhiti, to Gisborne, to learn more about a Māori worldview health approach. Mahia Atua is run by Dr Diana Kōpua. Kōpua grew up in Porirua near Takapu Wahia Marae. A young mum, she studied nursing and became the first Māori mental health nurse in her community. Later, she became a qualified psychiatrist. Today, along with her husband, tāmoko artist Mark Kōpua, the couple now work with others to address Māori mental health while incorporating Māori stories and narratives. We're in this space. This is Te Kurahuna. This mm-hmm. is where the wānanga takes place and whānau and organisations who want to learn more about this kaupapa actually come here, mm-hmm. kāpai. And so you run this place, uh, space with your husband, uh, Mark Kōpua. What's his um, What's his contribution to, to the kaupapa storytelling? It's big. It's so Mark <laughs> is um, a traditional carver yes. and then changed trades to become... Um, a muku artist and was part of that group who reinstated facial muku into our society and when we met it just took Mahiato to another level A because of the knowledge but B because of his position in this community in the Tairawhiti and so as a as a matauora, being able to, and as a psychiatrist, so I know that where I'm positioned in psychiatry is high in the ladder, in the chain. 
But for me, as a Ngāti Poro woman disconnected from my Ngāti Poro tanga, I, I knew that I could use that power as a wedge. Yet again, another word for mataora, another definition, as a wedge. And so I am that wedge to ensure that the psychiatric services downscale our psychiatric knowledge system and mm. increase the knowledge of our communities. And there are so many people out in the community that are, have tried all the time to reinstate Indigenous ways of knowing and have been shut down. I see my position as keeping the door open. And most people who come into the door for the first time, and if you are engaging Mahiatua as a healer, as a storyteller, um, this is a, a great story, and that's the one of when the children of the sky and the earth were in this restricted space, and one particular atua, Ke Kerewai, identified a problem, reached out to Toroi Waho, and both of these are atua Māori that not many of us have heard about. And then another atua, Uepoto, uh, is the one that saw the light, the Hinātore, and we draw that on a board, so everyone that comes into our space has a problem. And that phase of that particular storyline we call inohotatapunga atua. And so that is that the atua were in a state of restriction, similar to you when you come in with this problem. Your idea about how to find a solution has been restricted. Yep. And what we want to do is open the door of opportunity for you to find those resources that light, yourself. That light you were just yeah, talking about. and do it collectively. And the more people in the room, the more ideas can be offered to the problem. Tēnā koe, Dr Diana Kōpua, who featured in an earlier episode of Tiahika this year. And of course, thanks to our many guests who have availed their time to share their kōrero. A special thanks to our resident engineer all the way down there in Ōtautahi in Christchurch, Alex Harmer, big ups to you. And, of course, RNZ scheduler Gavin McGinley, best wishes on your recent retirement. Of course, the music team, Mark Hector, nei rā te mihi kia koutou katoa. Hio i anō, ko te maria, he mihi tēnei kia koutou e whaiwā nei, te whakarunga mai ki ngā kaupapa kōrero o te ao Māori. That's the show for the week and, of course, the year. Have a safe summer holiday at te whānau. Look after each other. Take care on the roads. And, of course, Tiahika will be back in 2020. Nā reira, mai te whānau a Tiahika kia koutou katoa Māori 2, Māori ora.